Well, it is good to see you here on this beautiful summer, Sunday morning. Uh, it feels like summer just started. <laughs> and here we're already in August. I, I remember back when school started like after Labor Day. Anybody remember those days? Now school starts like right after the clock ticks on August 1st, I think. But it's good to be in God's house today. We are, of course, in the middle of a, um, a series called Viral. We're not in the middle of it. This is the last, this is the last sermon of that series. Pastor Jay um, and, and Pastor Joel and Pastor Amber and I have shared this series this summer. It's just been incredible. It's been so much fun for me. I want you to know I've had more fun preparing for this than any I can remember. Do I say that every summer? I think so. But we, we sit and we just talk about what we feel like God is doing and saying. And for some reason, this series has just been just on target. And it has been in my life. And you have to measure that in your own lives and see what God is saying to you. But Pastor Jay, thank you so much for letting us all share a part of this thing. This has just been fantastic. I do want to tell you, um, next week... We begin a brand new series. Pastor Jay begins the series called Unique. You saw it advertised there on the screen earlier. Now, unlike any other series that we do, these are not sermons that can like stand alone. It's not that you can't come and hear one by itself, but each week builds upon the next week. It's called Unique. And uh, we want you to be sure to be here next Sunday. It's, it's in August. I mean, summer's over. It's time. All right, August. Uh, we want you to be here so that you don't miss that. Every week is going to be another layer, and you don't want to miss those. And so we want to encourage you to be a part of that, okay? Please join us. Next week is, there's a lot of stuff starting next week. We have our life group launch, all kind of incredible things. This is going to be a fantastic end of the year 2018. You just watch. God is going to do incredible things. But today, we're going to finish the viral series you know, I think that word viral, and the logo has just been incredible. I love seeing that one that they put on the posters and all. When you think of viral, we, of course, those people my age think about sickness, think about, you know, put a hanky over your nose or something so you don't get the virus. But in, in this day and time, most people think of viral as something that has to do with the, with the uh, cyberspace, with something traveling quickly. And I guess either one of those is appropriate, no matter what your point of view is on the word viral. The truth is that when you read the book of Acts, the gospel of Jesus Christ that started in a little bitty community in, in Israel somewhere, in an occupied land, has suddenly become viral. It's, it's taken, over, taken over. We're seeing that march through the book of Acts. It's just been incredible. What I want to do today... We're going to be in chapter 12, and if you want to join me, I want to read some, some passages of Scripture that tells us some things that I want you to remember today. All right, here we go. Uh, Acts chapter 12, I'll start with verse 1. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. And when he saw that this met with the approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the fifth festival of the unleavened bread. So 
Uh, after arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out in public trial after the Passover. Peter was kept in prison, look at this, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. Did you hear that? The church, that's the believers, were earnestly praying to God for him. In the book of Acts, we see this incredible sight. We see the early church praying. We see a praying church. Now, you think, well, that's not unusual. Listen, read the Gospels. You know what you see in the Gospels? You see Jesus praying. There's not one time that you see in the Gospels the disciples gather together for a prayer meeting. Not even once. Well, I take that back. There was this time that Jesus asked James, Peter, James, and John to pray for him and pray with him in the Garden of Gethsemane, and they went to sleep. Okay? There was not one successful prayer meeting among the disciples in the Gospels. You know why? Because when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost, things changed. <laughs> that whole idea of what prayer was just, just exploded. And we see the church praying. This is one of the, by the way, Jesus prophesied that. Jesus said one time when some people came to him and said, Master, your disciples aren't praying like good Jews are supposed to be praying. They should be praying and fasting a lot. Why aren't they doing it? And Jesus said, oh, don't worry. <laughs> The time's going to come when they're going to be doing that a lot. <laughs> That's what he said. Well, this is one of those times, okay? You see, persecution had fallen really hard on the believers in Jerusalem. One of the original disciples, James, the brother of John, one of the sons of Zebedee, he had been killed just quickly, just killed by King Herod. And that pleased the religious leaders so much, Herod thought, well, I'll get Peter too. Peter was the most famous of all the disciples. And so Herod just said, I'm just going to nip this thing in the bud, to quote Barney. I'm just going to stop this whole Christian movement. Peter now was in jail, and he looked like he was headed to the executioner's block as well. Now, Acts 12 tells us, you heard me read it, that Peter was in the custody of of 16 soldiers, four squads of four men each. Each shift, there were four shifts that took turns guarding Peter. Peter was bound in chains to two of those guards, bound in chains on either side of him. Now the double guard around the clock with fresh troops, four, uh, four groups of them, just made sure that Peter wouldn't escape. Verse 10 said, there were first and second row of guards, and then there was an iron gate before you could get out in the city. It was like Peter was in this place that made Alcatraz look easy, okay? So with Peter in such danger of being executed, the believers in the church in Jerusalem gathered to pray. The situation was critical. They're, they're, they're top two leaders. James and Peter are the two top leaders in the church. And James is gone. As I said, King Herod had already killed James. It appeared that Peter was next. Can you imagine being a part of that church? And you realize that your top two leaders, the top tier of leaders, were both going to be gone? 
at such an early stage in the, the church's life. This was the first Passover since Jesus died. This was in the first year of the church's existence. But there was a little bit of time given to the church to pray because the Bible says that the trial and execution of Peter had been delayed because of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which is the Passover. It had been delayed. They, they aren't able to execute somebody during that time, at least not legally, and uh, the Jews were not. And so they decided to just wait that seven days. Well, what that did was that gave the church seven more days to pray. Seven more days to pray. It, there was a seven-day delay in Peter's trial and execution, a chance for the church to pray like crazy for Peter. In, case, in the case of James, there had been no time to pray. James was arrested and killed immediately. But not for Peter. The church had an opportunity to pray, and they did. The Bible says fervently and continually. You know, we don't always have opportunity to pray about things. But sometimes God gives us opportunities to pray. God tells us, God shows us, or maybe we're able to just look and see what's coming. Or, or Sometimes we have opportunities to pray. Folks, we need to seize every opportunity God gives us to pray. We, it's not time to sort of back off. When, when, there's, when there's a crisis, pray. When things are critical, pray, pray all the time. But when you, when you see something, when God allows you to see it, we need to take the opportunity, take that to God in prayer. Well, they had an extra week of prayer. And I, I, I think it was, I can see it being round-the-clock prayer. Look how God responded to that prayer. I want you to join with me to read verse 6 through 10. Look at this. The night before Herod was to bring him on trial. Now look, the night before. This was on the night of day six. Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains. The sentries stood guard at the entrance. That's four soldiers. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick. Get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Oh, what a day. What a day. Then the angel said, put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did. Now wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He was like, Am I dreaming? He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards, came to the iron gate leading to the city, and it opened for them by itself. And they went through it. When they had walked through the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. The angel poofed away. <laughs> Man, <laughs> what a night! Verse 6 said it's the night before Herod was to bring him to trial. God sent the angel to deliver him. It was the last night before the trial. God moved in a way that was humanly impossible for Peter to receive freedom. And he did it at the most, at, in the most miraculous way, but at the 11th hour. <laughs> Sometimes we wonder, why not earlier, God? <laughs> why can't you release Peter on day one instead of day 11? 
it sure would save us a lot of prayer. Sure would save us a lot of praying time. Let me tell you something. Sometimes the waiting stretches our faith. We learn to trust. We learn to persevere. It's not because God has no plan. It's not because God didn't know what to do. He sometimes just does it on the 11th hour at the last minute. Hey, listen, there's a history of this. Remember the people of Israel came out of Egypt at the 11th hour? Remember then they end up trapped at the Red Sea not knowing what to do. They had a sea in front of them and the Egyptians behind them. And at the last minute, God told them what to do. It's not like God didn't have a plan. God had an amazing plan. He had a plan all along. He knew exactly what to do. And boy, did he do it well. It happened with Abraham to stretch his faith. It happened to Noah. It happened to David. It happened to Hezekiah. It happened to Nehemiah. Faith has to be stretched. It really does. Do we really trust God in the waiting? Do we allow him to do it his way, his time? In waiting and persevering, listen, we grow stronger. Our faith in him is deepened. It's not based upon circumstances anymore. And when we pray together as a church, our faith is deepened. Our our perseverance in the church is deepened and strengthened. Our faith is strengthened. Delay is not necessarily detrimental. Uh, In James 1, we read about it. The Bible says when you have trials come against you, when you have testing, the testing of your faith produces what? Perseverance. And perseverance, that means endurance. When you hang in there and you don't give up, the Bible says, then you become stronger and God does something in you so that you will lack nothing. Oh my goodness, we're so against delay, aren't we? We get frustrated at God's delays. Delays are not always detrimental. God's just stretching our faith. So here's the first thing I want you to see in the story. This is point number one. Pray and don't give up. Pray and don't give up. Now that doesn't mean delay is time for you to twirl your fingers going, I don't know what I'm going to do. That's not praying. That's worrying. By the way, worry like is a sin. I remember somebody telling me that one time. I said, I'm so worried. And they said, Pastor Mark, worrying is a sin. I said, (laughs) Pray and don't give up. Don't quit. Don't throw away your trust. Don't give up. Hey, I want to tell you this. As a church, I don't know if you know this or not, we have on our app, on our Kingwood, Kingwood app, we have a series of prayer points. Prayer points that we ask our, our leaders pray these prayer points, our pastors pray these prayer points, our uh, prayer teams that meet, our prayer groups that meet pray these prayer points. There's specific things we pray together. Our church, we want our church to pray for specific things. Not, not just once, but over and over and over. And guess what happens? Our church faith strengthens. Our church as a whole strengthens. You know what the very first prayer point, Pastor Jay, I think it was the first, the first prayer point that we had when we started this uh, a few years ago was, God, let great prayer arise in our church. Do you realize the the groups of prayer, the amount of prayer going up at Kingwood Church is is rising? You know why? Because we prayed about it. We prayed about it. Let me tell you some of the, 
some of the prayer points, in case you want to go there sometime on the King What app. In fact, I want you to. Here's some of the prayer points that are there. God, breathe life into this people. How about this one? There's one that says, God, we ask you to release your presence among us. <laughs> one of them is, God, use us to minister healing and transformation. God, help us see what you're doing and get in line with it. God, help us to walk in your authority. That, hey, that's just, that's five, and there are tons of them on there. And our people are praying those things. We want those things to happen in the body of Christ, Kingwood. Our faith is strengthening. It's deepening when the church prays. I want you to be a part of that. Now let's get back to the story, okay? Here we go. Peter's in crisis. The church responded the way it should. It prayed. And God responded. An angel showed up. Now, there's more to the story. To quote Paul Harvey, here's the rest of the story. Here we go. Then Peter came to himself. Oh, I have to do that sometimes. Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt the Lord has sent an angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. He, it had to dawn on him, I'm not going to die tomorrow. When, when this had dawned on him, there's that word, when it had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark. He's the guy that wrote the gospel. Where many people had gathered and were praying. Hey, this is in the middle of the night. Tells me it was an all-night prayer meeting. Peter knocked at the outer entrance and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was overjoyed. She ran back without opening and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. You're out of your mind, they told her. <laughs> when she kept insisting that it was so, they said, oh, it must be an angel. But Peter kept on knocking. And when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. <laughs> okay, folks, did you notice the irony that happened here? When the praying church was praying for God to touch and release Peter, and then Peter got released, the first thing they said was, you're out of your mind. <laughs> Gosh, does that sound familiar? Yes, it does. The servant girl, Rhoda, insisted, but they gave an excuse. Oh, no, you must have just seen an angel. <laughs> they prayed. They were praying. What were they praying for? Either they were not praying for Peter to be delivered from prison, or they were praying, but they weren't expecting it. One of those things was true. Now, I don't mean to be putting them down, but listen, it feels very familiar to me. Sometimes we pray, but we don't really expect God to do the big stuff. Maybe they were praying for God to protect him, keep him safe, give him courage. He'll have a fair trial. God, give his lawyers wisdom. Bless him. But to free him from a highly secured prison with round-the-clock clock guards, that's unthinkable. Well, that's what God does. We limit God on how we think. <laughs> look, if we can look at ourselves honestly today, it's going to help us. Sometimes we pray and expect God to only do what's humanly possible. You pray and expect to... That God will only do what you expect him to do. 
oh, are we limited? We are so limited. I've had that experience many times. I'm just telling you, honest, one of your pastors here, yeah, I've had that experience. I've prayed dutifully, dutifully done my job of praying and said the right words and everything. But in my mind, I'm saying, that's probably not going to happen. It's a battle. We pray the right words, but deep inside, we get filled with doubt and even unbelief sometimes. I find myself often limiting God to what is comprehensible and understandable to my mind. We theologically know God can do the impossible, but we don't believe it's probable. We say God can do it, but we're surprised if he does. We believe what we see and no more. You've heard, if anything can go wrong, it will go wrong. You've heard that? That's called Murphy's Law. Sometimes I think we have more faith in Murphy's Law than we do God's Word. Here's the lame Christian version of Murphy's Law, okay? See, see, if, see if this sounds familiar. I knew that was going to happen. The devil's just so strong right now and he's on me hard. He's making it almost impossible. The devil loves it when we say stuff like that. That's the Christian Murphy's Law. It's lame. Matthew 17 tells a story of when the disciples were unable to drive a demon out of a boy. And they had to go get Jesus to do it. They ask him, Lord, why were we not able? We all said the right words. Why were we not able to cast that demon out? And let me tell you what Jesus answered. You ready for this one? It's uncomfortable, but here goes. Because you have so little faith. Truly, I tell you, if you have the faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it'll move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes we get offended when we hear somebody say the words, you don't have enough faith. Because you have so little faith, we respond with, you don't know my heart. I guess that's the reason I don't feel like it's my job to look at any of you and say you don't have enough faith. But let me tell you the truth. God does know our heart. And he has the right to say that to us. And I'm telling you, lately, God's looked at me and says, oh, you have little faith, and I have to deal with what God says to me. Jesus said it to his disciples all the time. And I bet you they got embarrassed by it. I will bet you they felt real uncomfortable. We sometimes are so snowflakey <laughs> when it comes to when God says stuff to us. God didn't say to them, oh, you have little faith, to condemn them. He said it to challenge us to grow our faith. He challenged us to grow it, to use our faith. That's why, that's why he used the metaphor of, of a mustard seed. Even the smallest seed, if we plant it in prayer, it can grow. And it will grow. I, I have a... One of, my, one of my students last year in Master's Commission, one of my first-year students, uh, just honestly uh, came, came to us with a lot of excitement about Jesus, but very skeptical of God doing incredibly big things, just very skeptical, and, um, and just really resistant to, to that, <laughs> that even about miracles and things like that, that God is just really skeptical. The way we are sometimes. And, and um, uh, he, he was beginning to plant seeds of faith and try to grow out of that. So one morning I got up, and sometimes I had this 
sciatic nerve that goes from my hip down to my foot, and it hurts like crazy, and it makes my foot ache. And uh, that was one of those mornings, and I didn't say anything about it. But he comes up and says, Pastor Mark, are you hurting anywhere? And I thought, well, I'm going to be honest. I said, yeah, actually, I had the old sciatic thing going, and my foot's killing me. He goes, well, I'm going to pray for you. And I said, okay. And he got down on his knees and laid hands on my foot and started praying a brief prayer. And I'm just going to be straight up honest with you. Straight up honest. While he was praying, I was thinking, oh, gosh, what am I going to say to him when he asked me in a minute, do I feel better? What am I going to say to him because I don't want to hurt his faith? Now, that's just what I thought. I'm just going to tell you I did think that. And so while I was thinking that, and he got up and he said, okay, Pastor Mark, on a, on a scale of 1 to 10, how do you feel? And all of a sudden it dawned on me. I wasn't hurting anymore. <laughs> all of a sudden it dawned on me. The pain was gone. And I was so like, good. I was just like those people that said, you're out of your mind kind of thing, I guess. I just, I said, the pain's gone. And he goes, oh. <laughs> it was the moment he had planted the seed of faith and God had come through for that. And all of a sudden I was the skeptic and he was the faith man. And we both learned a lesson that day. So this brings me to the second thing I want you to remember this morning. Pray and expect great things from God. Pray and expect great things from God. We would do well to learn from this incredible story in Acts chapter 12. Our faith has got to rest more in the greatness of God than in our earthly circumstances. Our prayers may be earnest. They may really be from our heart. But there, we often pray way too small. He's a big, powerful God, and we're just trying to say, God, I'm going to give you an easy one now. Come on, he's a big God. We ask for small things. Sometimes we ask God, give me the ability to cope with my problems. When God wants to deliver you from them. I really believe that. Oh, we don't want to put God on the spot. We don't want to step out too much in faith. What if God doesn't come through? We need to protect God's reputation. We're fearful that God won't come through. So listen, so we let our fear define our faith. That's not right. That's not right. Throughout the Bible, we could read how God has always done the unexpected. Hey, he can open the sea. He can stop the river. He can halt the sun. He can raise the dead. When Jesus touched the sick or the crippled or the leper or the blind or the demon-possessed or even the dead, something big happened. Jesus leaves his mark at every turn. Sick were healed. The blind, they saw. The lame, they walked. The sinners, they were saved. It takes faith to believe God and obey him. It takes faith to pray that God will heal the sick. It takes faith to pray that God will bring salvation to your friend that you think is beyond help. It takes faith to believe that God can do wonders and miracles. So let's begin the adventure and the exercise of faith. Let's begin it. Come on. We have to unlearn some things. We have to change some of our preconceived mindsets. We have to take some of our religious thought and put it, put it away. It doesn't come automatically. 
We have, to, we, have to, we have to do renew our mind, as the Scripture says. But it is God's will for our faith to grow. Do you want your faith to grow? It's God's will that our faith grows. So let's pray. Let's expect great things from God. Let's pray. Let's attempt to do great things for God instead of the little things. The story's told of this small town in which there were no liquor stores at all. That's, that's a good town. There were no liquor stores. And then this guy moved to town, and sure enough, he built a bar and a nightclub right on Main Street. Well, the churches were just so disturbed. And so they began to pray. They conducted all-night prayer meetings and asked the Lord to rid the town of that den of iniquity. Lightning struck the bar and burned it, slapped to the ground. So the owner of the bar, knowing the church had prayed, sued the church for damages. <laughs> His attorney claimed that their prayers had caused the loss. <laughs> the church, on the other hand, hired a lawyer and fought the charges tooth and nail. Okay. So the judge that heard the case declared, it is the opinion of the court that wherever the guilt may lie, the bar owner believes in prayer and the church does not. <laughs> I, just, I just want to ask you, when we expect great things from God, do we expect great things from God? This brings me to the third thing that I want to say to you. Pray and let God surprise you. I know that's simple. Make no mistake about it. The church in Jerusalem did the right thing during the crisis, okay? They prayed. Even though they didn't pray perfect prayers and they didn't have freedom from all doubt and they did what was needed the most. They prayed. They took the situation to God and God surprised them. And did more than they ever dreamed. Because God loves to surprise us. He does. That young church prayed in a crisis and God surprised them. When I read Acts 12, I'm reminded of the passage of Scripture that still blows my mind. And it's out of Ephesians 3.20. Look at this one. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine, according to his power at work, within us I think in King James it says abundantly beyond you know that scripture in Ephesians 3 in context do you know what it is it is Paul talking about prayer and he's saying I want you guys to pray and I'm praying for you and he tells them what he's praying for and then as he's telling he's listing the things he's, he's got his prayer points like, like we do he's asking God for these things he's giving him prayer points and then all of a sudden he just sort of runs out of words of, of what he's praying about and he just says and you know the truth is <laughs> even in our best prayers God wants to do more than we can even think about God wants to do abundantly beyond everything that we sometimes we limit our prayers to God we ask you to do this big thing, but if you could just do this little one, it'd make us feel better. God's going, are you kidding me? I want to do more than you. It's even come into your mind. We have to allow God to surprise us. You know what that means? 
That means we put away our unbelief and say, God, this is what I'm praying for. Do whatever you want and do it powerfully. (laughs) God, it's in your hands. God, do abundantly beyond anything we can ask or imagine. (laughs) God is bigger than our prayers. Somebody put it like this. Prayer lays the track that the locomotive of God's power can come crashing through. Prayer lays the track. (laughs) Listen, prayer is powerful. You know, we in the viral series, it seems like the book of Acts is all about God doing the unexpected. I mean, think about it. Here's what we've covered so far in the viral series in Acts. The disciples were promised the Holy Spirit. Then the Holy Spirit came upon them. And then this crippled man that was outside the the temple, Peter looked at him and says, get up and walk. And he got up and walked and it went through town like virus. And everybody started talking about the power of God. And then Philip took that same power of God to the the Samaritans who were were half-breeds and they weren't supposed to hear the gospel. But he went up there and it, it was powerful there as well. And then this guy named Saul who was trying to persecute the church got knocked down by a light and he got converted to Jesus on the road. And then Cornelius, who was a Roman, and Peter both had visions about being introduced to one another, and they did, and God came on them too. The Holy Spirit started being poured out on the Gentiles. And now Peter is walking out of a prison despite his chains with guards around him. Hasn't God shown us enough about what he wants with the gospel? Hadn't God shown us enough? And yet the church is still having a hard time believing God's really doing this stuff. Hey, listen, we pick up next summer with the rest of Acts. I'm just going to go and tell you. I'm just going to give you a, a head start on this thing. You think you've seen viral so far. We've, only, we've barely gotten out of Israel. Next summer, you're going to watch it's like explosion in every direction. Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. There is, a, there is, a, there is some common denominator in, in what's happened in everything I've read in Acts. The Holy Spirit and prayer and obedience. The Holy Spirit is the one who tells us to pray and tells us what to do. So here are the concepts. The church prayed, the church obeyed. Wow. And it's the same today. Do you believe enough to start praying? Do you believe enough to start praying? Do you believe enough to pray passionately? Do you pray expectantly? Do you want God to do amazing, miraculous things, things that we can't even imagine? God can do it. He will do it. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Folks, that's not little stuff. That's big stuff. Big stuff. Pray and don't give up. Pray and expect God to do great things. Pray and expect God to surprise us. Exercise faith. Begin to pray. So today, here's the thing. Pray. Powerful prayer. Pray. Today, I'm going to ask 
in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand. Our musicians are all coming in and all that stuff, but I'm going to I'm going to ask you in a moment to stand, and I'm going to call our prayer team to come and stand at the front if they will. Just a moment, and at that time, I'm going to ask you if you've been moved in your heart today that tells that says I have not been exercising great faith. But there's some big things I want God to do. There's some things that I need to take to God. I'm going to ask you today to step out and come and let someone on this prayer team agree with you. Agree with you for that thing that you think is just like Peter in the prison and it is impossible. I want you to see God can do abundantly beyond anything you can ask or imagine. I want you to bring that prayer today. I want us to imitate the early church today. I want Kingwood Church, as the, th the things that are moving in your lives and in your heart, I want you to bring those prayers to these individuals. Then I'm going to encourage you to do more than that. To join the church in our prayer points of what we're asking God to do among us and through us as a body. So I challenge you to pray and obey. I'm going to ask you all to stand, if you will, now. I'm going to ask you all to stand. Now, if the enemy says to anybody in this room, you know what, when I go down there and ask them to pray about that, that's just, that's so ridiculous. I'm just ashamed to ask that. Are you kidding? If Jesus was standing right down here and he said, I want a personal audience with you, you'd become tearing down the front. Well, Jesus is here. Somebody will agree with you. Just agree with your prayer. They're not going to judge your prayer request. They just want to agree with you. Prayer team, would y'all come now and stand? Wow. I just believe God wants to do more than we ever dreamed. Pray. Pray. When the church prays, incredible things happen. When you pray and exercise faith, Take your little mustard seed and tell skepticism to get out. And you go and plant that in prayer right now with these people. Plant it in prayer. And then it will be long to where we'll have testimony after testimony after testimony. I've been in this church for 40 years and I have seen incredible things that God has done. But I am ready to see more than I've ever seen put together all happen in one year because I believe when the church prays the message of God goes viral and I believe he'll do it here Heavenly Father I ask you as people come as people come to pray I pray Lord God that you will fill them with great faith and Lord that you will take the seeds that are planted at this altar right now in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, would you come? Would you step out and come now? Come on. Come on. Someone's waiting to pray. Don't sit back. That's right. Come on. Pray. God, we pray. This is a big deal. I pray. Pray. Step out and come right now in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. Come on. There is nothing, nothing too little. There's nothing too big. Come on, take it to God right now in Jesus' name. Step out. We still have people available on the ends here to pray with you. Come on, pray, pray. Step out, come and pray. Yes.
Come on, step out and pray. Step out and pray. Jesus. God, I want to pray right now in the name of the Lord. I pray for everything going on in this place, God. As these seeds are being planted right now, Lord Jesus. As the seeds are being planted, Lord, intercession for people's lives, intercession for people's family. Lord, financial problems that you can only you can solve. Father, miracles of healing. Miracles that you can uh, only you can do, We will not limit ourselves. We will not limit ourselves because we won't limit you. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Father, let prayer arise in this place. Let prayer arise in this place, Jesus. There may be somebody right now fighting in your spirit going, I don't know if I want to take that. God says that you'll get somebody to agree with you right now. God says, I'll meet that need. Get somebody to agree with you right now, Jesus.